You calm my raging seas. You walk with me through fire and heal my disease. I trust in you. God, Church located at 524 East Pasadena Street in the city of Pomona, California. Our Sunday worship begins at 8 a.m. and can be heard on Sunday morning live. Tuesday Bible class is at 7 p.m. and can be heard again on God on Demand as we journey inside pages of Ezekiel. My prayer is that something is said to enhance your walk with Christ. And this is Pastor Carl Henderson.
we should never forget there is nothing impossible for the Lord to do. Nothing impossible. We're going to go into the word of God, and certainly my heart is indicting a good matter. Thank you for that song. It reminds us again that, you know, he holds our future in his hand. We're in the book of Ezekiel, the 20th chapter, uh, uh, seven verses, verse one through seven. And before we go into, into the word of God, I want you to know, and I, I hope you feel the same, but we believe the Bible is the word of God and everything written in it is for us. Uh, we are, I am what it says I am and I can do what it says I can do in Jesus name. Amen. I hope you feel that way. Because certainly the word of God was written for each of us. And so we benefit from every word that has been spoken by the Lord. The Bible said in the beginning was the word of God. The word was with God and the word was God. Ezekiel, the 20th chapter, beginning at, at verse one through seven. And it says, and it came to pass in the seventh year and in the fifth month, the 10th day of the month, that certain of the elders of Israel came to inquire of the Lord and sat before me. They came, then came the word of the Lord unto me, saying, Son of man, speak unto the elders of Israel and say unto them, Thus saith the Lord God, Are ye come to inquire of me? As I live, saith the Lord God, I will not be inquired of by you. Wilt thou judge them, son of man? Wilt thou judge them? Cause them to know the abomination of their fathers. And say unto them, thus said the Lord God, in the day when I chose Israel and I lifted up my hand unto the seed of the house of Jacob and made myself known unto them in the land of Egypt, when I lifted up my hand unto them, saying, I am the Lord your God. In the day that I lifted up my hand unto them to bring them forth of the land of Egypt and into a land that I had inspired for them, flowing with milk and honey, which is the glory of all lands. Then said I unto them, cast ye away every man the abomination of his eyes and defile not yourselves with the idols of Egypt. I am the Lord your God. For those joining uh, uh, us in this, uh, in this broadcast, this podcast, uh, the listening of this lesson, uh, the prophet Ezekiel was ministering during some very dark times. Uh, generation after generation have experienced some times that they could look back on and say it was dark. It may not have been as dark for someone else as it has been for others, but whatever impacts you is just that. It's impacting you. It's, it's having an effect on your mind. It's having an effect on your emotions. It's having an effect on you physically. And no one can judge the weight or the burden that you're carrying except they're carrying it or maybe they have something. No one can judge that but you. Seventy years of captivity all because the people would not listen and comply to what the Lord was saying. 70 years because someone said no. 70 years because someone else said yes. 
Someone said, no, I'm not going to do that. Someone said, yes, I'm going to do that. Uh, there was a meeting of the minds of the majority of the people that was such an influence upon God, they wind up in captivity. All because the people would not listen and comply. After a while, it becomes easier and easier to know what God is saying and to ignore his will and to replace him with other things. The more often, and this is why it's difficult as parents, we, there's a lesson that we have, we have to learn in parenting, is that if you keep telling a child uh, the same thing over and over again, they will learn to ignore you and to carry out their own will. You have to learn and know how to deal with that individual so that they feel what you're saying and understand what they're doing and what they should not be doing or what they should be doing and comply. The more uh, you uh, find it easier to say, no, I'm not going to. It's sort of like saying it, it's, it's sort of like being easy, not going to work. You know, that felt good. I think I'll call off again after a while. You'll be jobless. Uh, you know, uh, uh, and it, it goes without saying when it comes down to so many other areas that we, we can let it slip by, we ignore it, and after a while, it's no longer a um, something that we're interested in doing. We've just let it slip our minds and we're not complying. Zechariah 7 and 12 said, they made their hearts like flint so that they could not hear the law and the word which the Lord of hosts had sent by his spirit through the former prophets. Therefore, great wrath came from the Lord of hosts. Why? Because they hardened their hearts. Now, one of the things that the Lord told Ezekiel, he said, these people are rebellious, they're stiff-necked, they're not listening, they're not going to listen, but I'm going to harden you so that you can deal with them. The Lord takes the minister and places them in a certain mindset, a certain, a, a certain uh, way of thinking. He told Jeremiah, he said, don't be afraid of their faces. He said, because if you become afraid of their faces, I'm going to confound you. So the minister has a responsibility not to be afraid. A responsibility that God places upon them, an anointing. God places his word upon them. God places upon his messenger and whatever vessel he's going to use because of the mind of the people. Now, if you're dealing with people that are, that are willing to hear the word of God, God places a willing heart and and, and places something else in the heart of the messenger so that they can deliver a message to a people that are willing. God knows how to deal with his audience. This audience, uh, their hearts was like flint. And they would not hear the law and they would not hear the word of the Lord, which he sent by his prophets. And it caused great wrath to come from the Lord. If you want to avoid wrath if you want to, if you want to avoid uh, being uh, the things that that you don't want to deal with uh, as a result of sin, don't harden your heart. Yield yourself to being fertile ground. Is your heart fertile ground? Can the Lord plant His word in you and watch it grow into what He desires? All of us are faced with keeping our hearts. The Bible tells us to guard our hearts. 
Sometimes we don't want to guard our hearts. We want to have it our way. We want to do things our way. We want to talk our way. We want to act our way. We want to go our way. Uh, you know, we want to follow, quote unquote, our heart's desire. But we need to guard our hearts because usually when we follow our heart's desire, it takes us in the wrong place. And we wind up, if there's any conviction, we wind up praying and asking God to forgive us. We wind up apologizing to family and friends. We wind up messing things up. It, it can mess things up on the job. It can mess things up financially. It can mess things up. And we have to then straighten it up. We can't pray our way out of it because we're suffering for our own fault. And so we have to take it patiently and pray that God have mercy upon us. You know, uh, Lord, have mercy on us. I, I know what I did. I know what, what your word says. And I follow, again, my own heart. We cannot follow our own heart. We have to allow our hearts to be guarded. We have to guard our heart so that we follow the direction in which God gives us to go. The Lord told Ezekiel to use prophecies, parables, signs, and symbols to display his message all for a desired outcome. So when we go to service, when we come into service, when we uh, come to Cornerstone, when we go to our respective places of worship and, and to, to hear the word of God and to participate. I, I pray that you're participating in the worship service, that you are involved, that you're just not a, a fixture uh, upon the seat, but that you're involved in, in the service of the Lord. Then there is a desired outcome that God is looking for. Are we displaying what the Lord is looking for? I remember preaching a message that said, give the king what he wants. We should give God what he wants. Ezekiel said certain of the elders of Israel came to ask of the Lord and sat before me. Now, the New Testament term for an elder is an ordained person who usually serves a local church or churches and who has been ordained to the ministry of, of word and sacraments and order. Uh, fulfilling the preaching and past or pastoral office uh, that in itself is another subject matter because because you have elders license doesn't make you a pastor doesn't mean you're going to be a pastor however you should be able to teach and to minister the word of God even the deacon should be able to teach and minister the word of God and we find that throughout the scripture but we won't stay there this evening whereas in the Old Testament the term elder meant more than the average age. It, uh, I believe it's in, um, in Proverbs that it say the hairy-headed man, the man that has the beard, the, the beard that has gone from, from black to salt and pepper and, and sometime even just, just gray and, and some white, uh, is speaking about the age, that they are to be considered elders, not a licensed elder, not ordained an elder, but a elder because of their age, meaning that there is a respect because of the honor to honor them because of the life that they have lived. There is some wisdom. There's something that they can teach you uh, to help you have a better life. Exodus 18, 21 through 23, it says, moreover, ye shall select from all the people able men, such as fear God, able men. Men that fear God, men of truth, hating covetousness, 
They're not covetous. They're not chasing after money. They're not chasing after skirts. They're not chasing after little boys or little girls. They're not coveting what someone else have. And place such over them to be rulers of thousands, rulers of hundreds, rulers of fifties, rulers of ten. Take the men of experience, those that fear God, those that are living righteousness, and put them over sex. Put them over certain groups of people that that can, that they can handle. They can handle here. This gentleman uh, can handle ten. This person is able to handle 50. This person is able to handle 100. This person is able to handle 1,000. And, and let them judge the people at all times. So see, an elder was someone that judged the matter. Someone that you could go to and get some wisdom from. I, I need to understand it. I need, I, I need you to help me make a decision. You should be able to go to someone that has lived a certain number of years and and glean from them. You should be able, you know, it's one thing to be a young person and, you know, we, we like to say a young foolish person, you know, I'm just going to say, you know, young fool, but it's, it's a totally different thing to be an old fool. And so we want to avoid being foolish in our old, in our age. And so the Bible said, look out, the Lord is making a difference here. He's saying, look out for that. Uh, look out, look out for those that are fear, fear God, men of truth, covetous. Not don't look for the old fools because they're your friend or something like that, or they're part of the family and place them over anybody. Look for people that have some integrity about themselves and they fear the Lord. Then it will be a very great matter shall be brought to you. But every small matter they themselves shall judge. So the elder was judging matters. So it will be easy for you. Now, this is the Lord speaking to Moses and giving him instruction on how to establish um, the elders to, to judge situations so that he wasn't overwhelmed. Uh, the pastor does not have to be overwhelmed as the church grow, uh, establish uh, leadership, put them in certain positions to help them, to help you help them. For they will bear the burden with you. If you do this thing and, and God so command you, then you will be able to endure. And all this people will go to their place in peace. God is interested in the reservation and keeping his minister reserved, alive, healthy, mentally, physically. Too many of our ministers are worn down because this simple this simple plan that God placed they're trying to do it all by themselves and that was not God's intention God didn't say do it all by yourself and even when we read through the New Testament God never left no one alone to do it by themselves uh, he sent when they went out witnessing he sent them out in twos and, and so uh, Certain of the elders of Israel came to Ezekiel to ask of the Lord. However, these men should have already known the answer to what was in their heart. Have you ever found yourself wanting to do something, thinking a certain way, but within your heart, you knew you already had the answer. You talk it over with your friends because you're looking for some type of validation. 
you try to talk it over with with someone that's in the church and you know because you're looking for some type of validation but uh, be honest most of the time we already know the answer to the question and we still look for that validation on our mischievous behavior because at that point when we know there's something we shouldn't do then it's considered mischievous when we should be asking when we realize this we should be asking forgiveness and change our ways. Paul identified this in Galatians 5 and 17. He said, for the, flesh, uh, for the flesh desires what is contrary to the spirit, and the spirit what is contrary to the flesh. They are in conflict. They're warring against each other. With each other, they're fighting so that you are not able to do whatever you want. In other words, as the Lord leads you to do what's right, our flesh rises up and say, no, nah, but wait a minute, I don't feel that way. I'm not feeling that because uh, something, whatever it is that may have occurred, you don't want to yield to what you want to yield to what you want to yield to. And so there is that battle. But then when we yield ourselves, after the battle is over, we've yielded ourselves to what the spirit of the Lord wants, what we know is right, what we have read in his word. Uh, and we know this is the, the, what, the formula that we need to follow because God has already outlined it for us. We feel better. But when we go against that, we feel ashamed. It brings us into a certain place of, uh, of now we, we are even worse than what we were in the conflict. But thank God for for giving us restoration and giving us a way out. The Bible said, then came the word of the Lord unto me, saying. Anytime the word of the Lord keeps coming, time after time, the word of the Lord coming, the Lord, word of the Lord is coming with hope. It's coming with favor. Favor is not just the materialism of life, you know, I... I have favor because I got a car. I got favor because I got that job. I got favor because I got a few dollars in my pocket. I got favor because, uh, because I met somebody. I got favor because, uh, because somebody gave me a pat on the back. What about the favor you get from just knowing God is your Savior? What about that favor? What about that? That's more than anything because friends aren't going to follow you into the kingdom. I mean, they could. They could follow your service. You can bring them to the gateway of heaven, which is the church. But when you stand before God, you're not standing to say, Lord, look, I have a brand new uh, uh, Hyundai. You're not standing to say, Lord, look, you know, this is my W-2 form. You know, I did well. Uh, Lord, uh, look, you know, um, I was crowned king or queen at the prom. You know, and this was my day. You're not standing with none of those things in front of you. You're standing by yourself naked. In other words, everything about you is exposed. Your character. We don't like our character to be exposed. Because when our character is exposed, it tells things about us. That's what I love about the Lord. He can expose your character. And it could be, this room could be full of people and your character is exposed and you're the only one sitting there feeling naked uh, because you know that God is exposing because God is showing you favor. 
The favor of God exposes you. The favor of God convicts you. The favor of God leads you to repentance. The favor of God brings us unto salvation. This favor, this favor is what delivers us from sexual addiction, drug addiction, violent disorders, and other areas of self-destruction. That is the favor of God that brings about deliverance in our lives. Aren't you glad that you have experienced the favor of God? You are a recipient of God's favor just in hearing this word being taught. This is God's favor that is being presented to everyone that hears this. It's his favor because this is the changing point. This is where you make a decision that, man, you know what? I can follow God. After hearing what has been said, I can make a well-informed decision. And I pray that your well-informed decision is, say, is to say, for God I live and for God I die. For God, Lord, my life belongs to you. My life is in your hand. I am yours and you're mine. We're, we're going to have a relationship uh, better than we had yesterday and better than we had a few minutes ago. Note here that the Lord had already spoken to Ezekiel regarding the elders of Israel. In chapter 14, verse 1 through 3, the, the Bible said, then, the, then, certain, then came certain elders of Israel unto me, and they sat before me. And the word of the Lord came unto me, saying, Son of man, these men have set up idols in their heart. God knows the secrets of our hearts. We can run from anyone, and certainly I said the other day, you can, you can run and hide from me. I, I don't care, you, you know, except if it's something funny. I might want to see it so I can laugh, but, uh, but you can hide all you want, but you cannot hide. I cannot hide from God. You can't hide from him. The Bible said the word of God is sharp. It, 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 it's, it, it, it's sharper than a two-edged sword. It, it cuts between the marrow and the joint. It goes deep, and it digs into the root of everything, which is good because God knows how to sedate us and he knows how to operate on us. He knows how to clean out the cancer of sin. He knows how to apply his own anesthesia. We, we are in the operating room and no one around us even know that we're being operated on and God does the work. They know the operation was done because we're smiling and they can see the peace of God upon us. Or we testify and, and, and tell that the Lord brought about a deliverance uh, in us. And, uh, you know, or there is such a dramatic change in our lives from something maybe that we were doing or direction that we were going that all of a sudden they see our faithfulness. Whereas the faithfulness that they saw was not present before. God did his own work. He did his own operation in us. I'm so glad that God knows how. When, when I say he's my personal savior, because it's like going to your personal physician. God knows how to keep things personal, confidential. He don't expose and put your business all on. Most of the time, people know our business because we've talked about it. We've put it out there. We've told somebody. And, and we know who to tell when we want it to be exposed to other people. We know just who to say, what, how, when, we know it's going to go back to the right ears. But it's better 
to be quiet and be a good listener and listen, hear what the Lord is saying. So this wasn't their first time visiting Ezekiel and hoping to get something that they did not deserve. They set up a good lesson for us. Let's not hope for something that we don't deserve. As believers, we do not have a sense of entitlement. I, I'm entitled to that. No, we don't have a sense of entitlement. God so loved the world. He gave his only begotten son that whosoever believe in him. Not us. We didn't. I didn't. I, I, I didn't die for nobody. I don't know a bishop. I don't know anybody that have laid down their life for any of us except Christ himself. As believers, we do not have a sense of entitlement. When you're not in good standing, you're not entitled to anything. The entitlement is a blessing that has already been proclaimed upon you when you're in good standing. So you need to learn how to own this. I'm in the will of God. God said that if I give, he'll give back to me. If I give to the poor, I'm lending it to the Lord. That means it's going to come back to me. When I tithe, I open up windows of heaven. I bring offerings. That causes the blessing to flow. I give of my tithe. I give even just coming to Bible class, just being in service. You're giving of your time, and God appreciates that. You have to appreciate that too. Now, what does that do? That means that the Lord, we're talking about entitlement, the Lord said, don't forsake the assembly of yourselves together. So now, because I did not forsake the assembly of myself, and I didn't come with the expectation that, Lord, because I'm coming to church, you owe me some. No, I came because I love God, and God is going to love me back. There is no way that I can love God and give of myself, and he not love me back and give unto me. I don't come looking for that. It's just an automatic exchange of the love affair that we have. It's an automatic exchange of what is going to happen. Well, God places something on your mind or places something you on someone's mind and all of a sudden you're a recipient or you are a giver. Son of man, speak unto the elders of Israel and say unto them, thus saith the Lord God, are ye come to inquire of me as I live, saith the Lord God, I will not be inquired by you. Don't come asking me anything. God's reply was, was to say, I, I'm not messing with you. Don't you know that we can, get, we can provoke God to the point where he just say, I'm not messing with you. Because we're not willing to humble ourselves. I'm not messing with you. I'm not dealing with you. God, you know, we, we, we give people the hand, you know, to stop them. And thank God that he has not given any of us the hand. But God can be provoked where he say, I'm not messing with you. And that's how where the Israel found themselves in 70 years of captivity. Humility is to have a modest or low view of one's own importance. Humbleness. 1 Peter 5, 5 through 7 says, Likewise, ye younger, submit yourselves unto the elders. Yea, and all of you be subject one to another. And be clothed with humility. 
For God resists the proud, and he giveth grace to the humble. Humble yourselves, therefore, under the mighty hand of God, <clears throat> Excuse me. that he may exalt you in due time. Cast your cares upon him, for he careth for you. Now, I want you to understand something. The writer is said without humility. You cannot seek the Lord or relinquish your cares on him. Pride does not allow us to, to cast our cares to anyone because we're so busy trying to handle it ourselves so that we can say, I did it. We want pride will say, I'm not going to ask. Pride will say, I'm not going to do. Pride will say, I'm not going there. Pride gets in the way of a lot of things. Pride will get in the way of you crying out unto the Lord and casting your cares upon him. Will thou judge them, son of man? Will thou judge them? Cause them to know the abomination of their fathers. God is interested in one thing, and that is your, that is our acknowledgement, repentance, and, and conversion. 2 Corinthians 7 and 10 says, For godly sorrow worketh repentance to salvation, not to be repented of, but the sorrow of the world worketh death. Pride will have us dying, and we don't even know we're, we're, we're one foot in and one foot out. But godly sorrow brings about repentance, and that brings about salvation. Without godly sorrow, no repentance, no salvation. He goes on to say, say unto them, and I, I'm winding down with this, but to say unto them, thus said the Lord God, in the day when I chose Israel and lifted up my hand unto the seed of the house of Jacob and made myself known unto them in the land of Egypt, in the land of, that they were bonded in, they were, they were hostage, they were slaves, and I let them know me because I was going to be their deliverer. I'm going to bring them out. When I lifted up my hand unto them saying, I am the Lord your God. I am the Lord your God. The Lord's making a declaration. I am, I'm your Lord. I'm your God. In the day that I would lift up my hand unto them to bring them forth of the land of Egypt and into a land that I had expired, Espied for them, flowing with milk and honey, which is the glory of all lands. I had the choice, element, the best set aside for you. Then said I unto them, cast ye away your abomination of his eyes. It starts with our eyes. Our eyes. I see it, I want it. And look, some good eye candy over there. I want that eye candy. The Lord said, no, no, no. You, you, can't, you can't be looking at things just desiring what you want. And don't defile yourself with other idols and different things that you know is going to ruin your relationship with God. I'm the Lord, your God. I'm your God. And I don't want you to forget that. I love you. I brought you out. I'm your deliverer. I'm going to be there for you. I'm the one that will pick up the pieces. 
Humpty Dumpty sat on the wall. Humpty Dumpty had a great fall. All the king horses, all the king men could not put Humpty together again. That is not God's story. That's not his story. I pray that something has been said that, that will bless you, that will help you to have a closer walk with, with Christ. I uh, want to, again, extend an invitation to you to stop by, to be with us in service if you're in the area. If you're not, go to a church of truth and power near you for the saving of your soul. In Jesus' name, again, this is Pastor Carl Henderson. God bless you. Love you. Hope to see you soon. Amen.